So much is going on. I'm just seriously just, ah, hopped up on the caffeine. So we're going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to get into this message. Father, thank you for this time that we meet here today. Father, as you have already been working in our hearts, you've worked in my heart already just in worship. Father, just continue to... to uh, to just open our hearts and our minds, Father, just to receive everything you have for us today. Father, just speak through me that, that, that um, anything I say, uh, that your Holy Spirit would fix anything that I mess up. <laughs> and uh, we just love you, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for your grace and everything that you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here's how it's going to go. I'm going to try to make it quick because I know we have pictures and everything else going on. So I'm going to be as fast as I can. So listen fast. I had a guy tell me... <laughs> I had a guy tell me, it was my friend's dad, I, I was talking to him on the phone, uh, <laughs> I just thought of this when I said that, but I was talking to him on the phone, I was explaining something to him, and he said, hey, 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 and he had to stop me because I was talking really fast, and he said, listen, son, do you hear how fast I'm talking? And I said, yes, sir, and he said, that's how fast I listen, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I get exhausted when I have to slow down, I like to talk fast, so bear with me, I'm going to try to, I'm going I'm to try to slow down, but I have a lot to say, so. Basically, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to make a couple proclamations. We're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about death, burial, resurrection. And then y'all are going to take some pictures. Y'all can bear with me for that? You good? All right. How many of you know that grace is not just a movement or a subject or, um, or something like that? How many of you know that grace is a person? Grace is a person. He's Jesus. Uh, I, I hear a lot of people, anytime I mention things about grace and pure grace and, and how good it is and how awesome it is, I get a lot of kickback when I talk to people, and they immediately say, well, that's hyper grace. Well, it's all hyper grace. (laughs) I mean, it's just too good. It really is too good to be true. And so when you talk about that kind of stuff, people immediately kick up, and they say, well, you're just looking for a license to sin. Well, come on. People have been sinning without a license for a long time. And, And so the fact of the matter is, I also hear it on the other end where people misuse the word grace, and they use it real flippantly. They just kind of grace, oh, well, grace this, grace that, grace this. And the more I look at it, it's, it's very important to really know what this is. I mean, Jesus is grace. He, he is the personification of this love that we have. It's not just a, a cool thing to say or a, or a movement or a trend or anything like that. This is real. This is life. Um, there's, there's nothing else. There's no old covenant to go back to. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing other than this. We're in the new covenant if you're saved. So, basically... And like I said, I'm going to run through it real quick. But the law was given, through Moses, was given to Moses, but grace came through Jesus. It's important to see how that's, that's, that actually happened. The law was given to Moses. Stone tablets, Ten Commandments, the, 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 old, the, the, the law was given to him. But grace came through Jesus. And it's, 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 it, we, have to, we have to look at it that way because it's completely different. The same thing I was talking about last week. I, you, can, you can know something about someone or something, but until you fully experience it, it's different, right? Have you ever heard stories about something? I heard stories about Disney World before we ever went, and I thought, yeah, it's big. I get it. But then I got there, and I was like, this, there's like interstates in Disney World. <laughs> it was like there's interstate signs that say, like, turn here to this part of Disney. And so it was a completely different experience than it was someone telling me about it. I could see pictures, same thing um, with movies and different things like that. You, 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 you get an image in your mind of what it is. People are the same way. I was in customer service for a while, and, and a manager in a small inside sales position, and I would talk to people for years, and then when I would meet them, I would go, whoa, you look nothing like what I imagined, because your voice sounds completely different. Um, but it's different to experience something, and I mentioned about the, the, 
I, I want to experience everything to the fullest. And I remember I said something about the crackers. I, was, I eat Ritz crackers upside down because I want to taste every bit of the salty, buttery goodness of Ritz crackers because I don't want to miss out on anything. I want them to touch my tongue so I can taste all of them. They're so delicious. And Tracy hates it because I ate a whole packet. She said, did you really eat a whole, whole packet of Ritz? Yeah, I hate to think that I didn't eat a whole pack of Ritz. Have you ever eaten a Ritz? Is that, a, is that plural? Or singular, a writ? Anyway, I digress. Caffeine, I'm telling you, I'm hopped up on the caffeines. How many, another misconception is um, people lump sin and sins together. In Romans, how many of you know, in Romans, sin is mentioned 38 times, but only twice as a verb. All of the other times it's mentioned as a noun. And I'm not going to mention anything else about English because I'm English, but noun is a person, place, or thing. A verb is an action. Don't run out of the here thinking I'm going to talk about common core or anything. But <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, we were born into sin, whether we like it or not, right? Okay. Say, say I'm 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 a I'm a lost person. I was just I was just born, not first born, but I was born. I'm a lost person. What did I do to be born into sin? What did I do to do that? Anything? I was born. Period. Okay. Now, what did I do to become righteous? Or am I righteous? Except Christ. Reborn. So, as we know, we're, we're celebrating the risen Lord today. We're celebrating his, his, his rising from the dead. He didn't stay dead. <laughs> he beat death. And I seriously prepared two sermons about that, and I didn't want to preach either of them. And I talked to a few of the, few of the people here, a couple of the elders and a couple of other people, and I was like, I'm really struggling with this because I feel like I need to just preach that specific thing, but that's not what's on my heart, and it's not what I feel the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. So they were like, well, just do what you're going to do. So bear with me. We're going to get to it. But, but I really want to get to this point that in, in and of myself, I cannot make myself righteous. No matter how many good things I do, I cannot work myself into a righteous place, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, if, if I couldn't do anything to be born into sin then it's not of my own accord or anything that I could do to, be, to come out of it, to be born again, right? It's only by Jesus who can do that. Romans 4.13 says, For the promise that he would be, there, be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to the seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That's not through the law, but through what? Through faith. Not obedience to the law, but obedience to faith. It's the difference in um, doing something and believing something. Now, a lot of times people say actions speak louder than words, and so we want to look at people's actions. But the fact of the matter is I can pretend to do something and not really be that type of person. Does that make sense? I can, I can say I'm not married and I don't have three kids and, and I'm, I'm something that I'm not, but that does not negate the fact that I'm something completely different. Does that make sense? So th- there, is, there is an understanding of who I am and there's a truth to something. And when we accept that truth in our hearts, it's different than trying to convince yourself that it's right or wrong. Does that make sense? Some of you guys have been here for the last few weeks. We've been talking about the heart. We've been going through love. And I don't know, uh, Jeremy, do we have the slides of the heart, that image of the heart? What we've been talking about is abiding in Christ and not abiding in people. Too many times when we deal with fear and anxiety and struggles and different things like that, we're looking at other people to, to, uh, to, to make us who we are, and it's our circumstances that was what I found. I, pulled, I found an image of a heart with no muscle that were just all the arteries. And when I was, I was studying the vine, I thought how, how vivid that looks like a vine, doesn't it? It really does. And as I began to study the heart, the heart is a really interesting thing. Like I really get into um, engines and, and stuff like that, and the heart is like this, this little engine. And I found out even this morning I was studying it, and it has its own little like spark plug that like makes it pump. And it pumps 
pumps blood to everywhere in our body. And we should have another image up there of the body, the guy standing like this. That's my favorite one because I looked for several of them, and the guy's like, hey, look at all my arteries. I love that guy. And so in the same way, does that not look like a vine? How eerie is that? It really does. It looks like a vine. But what I found is when I was studying, the, I was studying you can take that guy down because be, they'll all be distracted looking at this guy. Look at me. And so what I, what I realized was when, I, when you look in Scripture and you look at the Greek words for mind and heart, they're interchangeable throughout Scripture. They, they, what I grew up believing and seeing was, okay, the heart is where all our emotions are, right? But my mind is logic, so you want to keep those separate. You follow your heart to some degree, but you want to use logic because those two things are separate. When you look through Scripture, it combines those two things. And the more I studied the heart, the more powerful I realized what the heart is. It really works on its own. Like the brain's not telling it to pump. It has its own little like spark plug that makes it pump. It's got these check valves that make sure that it's doing its right thing. And so it's its own thing, and it's, it's actually powering the brains, powering everything, pushing blood to everything. And it, it works constantly, 24-7. It never stops. When you're sleeping, it's pumping. It's like gallons and gallons of blood a day. It's just pumping constantly. Mine's extra pumping because it's full of caffeine. <laughs> it's pumping, pumping, pumping. <laughs> but <laughs> I may have blood in my veins. I'm not sure. There's some blood in, in there with the caffeine. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is, the more I looked at the heart, the more... I keep looking like that guy's still there. The more, I look at, uh, the more I look at Jesus in our heart. And when the Bible says we accept Jesus in our heart, a lot of times we think, okay... Well, we need to be logical with this. We don't just need to be emotional because that's the way we've separated. But the fact of the matter is those things are two, two things that are connected. And what happens is when we're self-referential and we begin to think about don't let things in our mind, we've, we've, got to, we've got to make sure our mind is thinking correctly. We don't want to, you know, let bad things in, bad things in, and we want to make sure we only let good things in, good things in. Well, the problem with that thinking and that theology and what I've heard in other, other places at different times is it, it breaks down at some point. You can only do it so long. And then, you, and then you mess up, or you, you see something you weren't supposed to, oh, I can't see that, I can't see this. And so the problem with that thinking is it's self-referential, and it's all about me, 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 right? But if we let Jesus into our heart, it, it reverses it. The same way the heart pushes blood out to everything, the same way Christ in us should be outgoing, right? The, the spirit in us should be looking at other people. How can I love this person? How can, I, how can I treat this person differently? How can I see this person the way Jesus sees him? Because after all, that's who lives inside me. Right? It's not, we've, got, we've got, to, got to, got to see this the way it is. It's not just a thinking thing. You can't, and it's even ridiculous to think about it this morning. I was thinking about how we try to convince ourselves to think a different way. Like we're using our brain to try to trick our brain <laughs> into thinking a better way. How ridiculous is that? Like it seems a bit redundant over and over, and like it's never ending. Because it is. It's the same way in the Old Covenant. You work with blessings and cursings, blessings and cursings, blessings and cursings. But in Christ, we're fully, fully blessed. He took the curse fully on the cross, right? So, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. So, the next thing I usually get when I, I begin to talk about grace and, and, and how grace is the person in Jesus is, well, what, what about um, repentance? How many of you have heard the word Repentance. How many of you ever heard it described basically as feeling bad about your sin? That's the way I kind of grew up hearing it. You need to repent. Boy, you need to repent and turn to the Lord. But when you look up repentance in the original Greek language, it's metanoia, which just means change your mind, change the way you think. Now, if we go back to the way the heart works, and if Jesus is in our heart, it's not, it's not receiving and going in, it's coming out. Because what's in a man's heart is what comes out of his mouth, right? So the difference is, you change the whole repentance thing is reversing the way you think about your life and everybody else's life. 
And what happens is instead of all everything coming in and you're abiding in people instead of the vine, God never told you to abide in people. <laughs> he said, abide in me. Don't abide in branches. It's, it won't work. We love people, but we don't abide in them. We abide in Christ. And then the love begins to flow out of us. And I tell you what, I looked for happiness in a lot of places. I looked for love in all the wrong places. Um, but I tell you what, until I got outside of myself and began to see my life as beneficial to other people, not that I'm anything special, but until I realized that, that when other people were blessed and other people were, were, were living better and, and their lives were being changed because of something that, that I could do or something that Jesus could do through me really is what it was, that's true happiness. That's true joy. People, a lot of people come to church, so oh, all church, they just want to take away all my fun and take away all my joy. Well, God invented He is joy. He is love. Listen, if you were here yesterday, we had plenty of joy. <laughs> we had plenty of fun. And it was, I didn't have to go home feeling guilty, laced with any kind of, of, of shame or guilt or anything. We just had a blast. I was exhausted, but I would have been exhausted doing some crazy sinful thing too. I mean, I would just been just exhausted. And I, then I would have felt bad about it and beat myself up about it. So that comes to the next thing. Well, what do we do? Can the Christian sin? Well, we can. We can commit sin in, in, in the verb, in the action, only if you're stupid, really, because you're free from it. But all it is, is is if we make a conscious decision to deny the truth and believe a lie, right? And we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, too. The devil's only weapons are fear and what was the next one? Y'all tell me because I just forgot it. Deception. Lies and deception. Because, and we, and we looked up, yeah, deception, lies, and fear. Fear is just the anticipation of something bad. It's not even the bad thing. It's the anticipation of danger. It's not even danger itself. It's, 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 it's the same thing the devil's been doing. is just lying to people, lying to people, lying to people. But what God does is comes in and says, you're righteous. You, right where you are. That changes people. That changed me. I didn't need anybody to convince me of how bad I was when I was living bad. I knew full well how terrible I was. I just wanted to do it that way. But it was someone who told me that, the, that God loved me right where I was. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so while I was not looking for God, I was literally running away from God in every way, he found me. He came to me, and, and he, he was attractive to me. He was good. He was a loving father. I didn't know what a loving father was. And he said, look, I'm, you don't have to do anything. You don't deserve this, but I, I want you to be in my family. I want to be your friend. Now, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand unconditional love. I grew up knowing how the world works. You do for me, I do for you, right? You do for me, I do for you. That's, that's just kind of how things work. Even, even unsaid, even in relationships, a lot of times we'll, we'll love people if they love us back, right? Or we'll do things for people, and we won't say that they owe us anything, but they owe us something. <laughs> you know, you, and we'll even say it flippantly, like, oh, you know, you get me later, you get, get, do something for me later or whatever, because we, that's the way we think. But, we, but metanoia, repentance is reversing the way you think, right? It's not inward. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little... I don't even know the song. Because <laughs> the Father up above will squish you like a bug. That's all I remember. <laughs> but that's the way we took it. It was like, oh, God's going to be mad at us if we see something. Like, we can control everything that we see. But anyway, once again, I digress. So, Here's, here's what happened to me, and here's what happens throughout Scripture. I'm going to give one example. There are several other ones. The, the, the way that I learned repentance was feel really bad about your sin so that you can be saved and God will love you. But if you look at Scripture and all the types and shadows that he gave, when, uh, hang on, let me find it here. 
when uh, when Peter was out fishing. Fish, fish was just at, wow, that's really good. I'm going to get some more. Excuse me. Fishing was, uh, was not just a hobby for Peter. It was his livelihood. It's what, he, it's what he did to make a living. He was a very simple man, and he fished, and he wasn't catching any fish. Jesus told him, here's a bunch of fish we're going to give you. So many, he couldn't get it. Then he came up. Let's see. I lost it. Give me a second. First, the blessing was first. He caught the fish, and then he said, Depart from me, for my sinful man. For I am a sinful man. Jesus said, From now on you will be a fisher of men. So the blessing came first. He gave him all the fish, which was life to him. And what I found, I guess it's been about two, three months ago, we were talking about something in youth, and I never saw it this way, and, and I saw it as a prophetic word that, that, that Jesus was telling him, Okay, you're going to be a fisher of men, but he had just demonstrated that Jesus gave him all the fish. Right? this may be simple to you, but it was revelational to me. Like, okay, he just demonstrated what he was going to be and what he was going to do. And now, and that was life to him, right? And so now he's saying, okay, you're going to be a fisher of men. So he blesses him. Then, then Peter repents and realizes, ah, I'm looking at things the wrong way. And then he goes and fulfills exactly what Jesus said, and he's a fisher of men, and he gets an abundance of people, and lives are changed in him. And so I saw that, wow, that Jesus was, was demonstrating what he was going to do. He was going to catch so many fish in his life and this was going to be life to him. It wasn't going to be fishing anymore. It was going to be seeing people's lives changed. And so I just thought that was revelational. So I figured I'd give you that little tidbit. But what's interesting is he was blessed first before that because it's, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance, right? Yeah. All right. So we're receiving blessings from Jesus in our hearts. We'll naturally produce righteousness from the heart, from the heart, not into the mind. And so we declare that we are righteous by the blood of Jesus. It's not by our own, um, our own abilities or our ability to work it up. Um, I'm going to skip some of this and just, and just get to the point here. Jesus was, we know, and even scholars know, even people that, don't, that aren't Christians know that Jesus lived, right? I mean, they know you can go anywhere, any secular historian will, will tell you that Jesus was alive. Um, but there are people that argue whether he died and whether he was supernatural, which is ridiculous because I love the way C.S. Lewis says he was either, he, he, he wasn't a good moral teacher unless he said he was who he said he was. C.S. Lewis says he was either basically insane, like that of a man who says he's a poached egg, <laughs> or he was who he said he was. You can't be a good moral teacher and blatantly lie to all your disciples and say you're the son of God, right? So the fact of the matter is, Jesus did die, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. This is this is life to us. This is life changing to us. This isn't something that, that we this isn't something that we can we can just say on Sundays and not live on the rest of the week. This is this is the very thing that makes us who we are. So when we when we when we realize that and we come to that conclusion, I love this in Ephesians 2 1. I'm gonna run through these scriptures real quick, but Ephesians 2 1. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of, the, of this world. According to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived <clears throat> among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah. Listen, Jesus didn't die for us. He died as us. 
Think about that for a minute. If, if he just died for a murderous person, that murderous person would still be alive. But if he died as the murderous person, then that person can be reborn and be changed, right? This isn't just an understanding of who he is and what he did, but it is, it is a real relational change in your life and in your heart. It's more than just understanding what it is. It's, it's really fully, fully embracing who he is in our lives. And so verse 5, he says, He made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespass. You were saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that, so that in the coming ages he might display his immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness, through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Let's stop there for a second. I, I've never given my kids a gift and then weeks later had them come back and, and them say, you know what, Daddy? I made a mistake the other day. I, I, was, I was mean to a kid at school, and I really feel like I need to, uh, to pay you back for that gift you gave me. Has anybody? I'm, I've never had them do that. <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense. A gift just needs to be received. I mean, it's that simple. I think too many times we really overcomplicate the gospel. The gospel is that simple. It's, it's a childlike faith. It's a very simple acceptance of who he is and who he is in our lives, and it's, it's very life-changing. It is God's gift. And verse 9 says, Not from works, so that no one can boast. Listen, it's a level playing field. If you think you've done some bad things, I've, I've probably done worse. <laughs> all of us are in the same boat. We were all born into this. So that no one can boast. Verse 10, For we are his creation, created in Jesus Christ for good works, for God prepared ahead of time so that we, we should walk in them. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever. How long? Forever. Are we awake? How long? Forever. forever. So is there anything that can change? <laughs> Thanks, Kylie. Forever. For those who are sanctified. And I love the wording there too. For those who are sanctified. There's another common belief that says there's a process in being sanctified. Jesus has sanctified us right now and forever. The only process there is is not thinking like slaves anymore and understanding that we're sons and daughters. There is a process to, to, to changing our mind, and that comes from within, and knowing identity in our hearts through Jesus, right? It's the difference. I mean, seriously, the difference in understanding, the difference in understanding that Christ completely paid for our sins and us trying not to sin is literally death and life. Think about that for a minute. The, the difference in fully understanding and accepting this gift that Jesus has given to us, that we are, we are reborn, not a sinful person, the difference between that and then just trying not to sin is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's the difference between a sacrificial system that we're not in anymore and a new, and a new covenant where Jesus has paid it all for us. And, and for how long has, have we been perfected? Forever. And we are sanctified. These are proclamations for us. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. We are made righteous through Jesus. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but, there's, but, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, these are, just, these are simple proclamations. I really want us to get this. John 3, 3 says, Jesus, Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. This is what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, and so this is where we are. We, we come to church not to learn about sin or to try to feel better or worse about our sin. 
This is why we come to church, is to understand who we are and that we are righteous in Christ. It's not by what we can do, but it's what he did for us. And so when we come in here, we, you know, if, if we're just going to create a system that makes you feel better about yourself, I've got better things to do and you've got better things to do, to be quite honest. But if we're going to see lives change, we've got to understand that we are righteous. And we have to get that. Because if we don't, it's going to cripple us for witnessing to anybody else and showing them the love of Christ. It will literally cripple you because you'll be down in the dumps constantly, well, I messed up this time. So I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to figure out a way to climb my back up, climb my way back up into God's grace. As soon as you mess up, immediately tell, call yourself righteous. I'm, right, I'm righteous in Jesus. I'm righteous in Jesus. I'm righteous in him. It changes the way you see things. When you begin to declare that you're righteous, you're not going to continue sinning because that's not who you are. Go ahead and try to stop sinning. Just try to do it on your own. I've done it. It's, it, won't, it won't work. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It won't work. But as soon as you mess up, if you, because if you don't do that, there are days and months and years and however long you think you need to just beat yourself up and punch yourself in the face for making some stupid mistake. Listen, if you're born again, you were born out of sin into righteousness. If you choose to sin, that's stupid. <laughs> But that's not who you are. It's a mistake you make. That's the difference. Your identity is in Christ. And if you identify in him, you cannot stay in that place because that's not where you reside. You remember the noun verb thing? It's a place. You've transferred from one place to another. You can't get out of one. You couldn't get in it on your own. You can't get out of it on your own. Anyway, so I said all that to say this. I love you guys. We're going to have a short video if you guys will stand up with me. Um, there's a pastor named Judah Smith out of Seattle. Uh, you might have heard of him from the city church. He's got a video, and we're going to play it here in just a minute. Um, and I want to encourage you to really, really listen to the words. He's just, he's just really sees things clearly, and I really identify with some of the things he says. We're going to, we're going to play the video. I'm going to pray for you guys, and we'll dismiss. We're going to have a, a few families over here to pray for you guys if you want prayer. Listen, if you've never experienced the, the real love of God, if you, if you really feel like, um, I really want to see this, I really want to know this God that you're talking about. I really want to know this Jesus that loves me right where I am. Listen, we want to pray for you. We're going to be up here to pray for you. If you, if you just feel like you've got something going on in your life, you need healing in something, we have people that are going to be praying for you. Um, if, if, if you're not, if you don't have anything you need prayer for, you can get in line over here. We're going to be taking pictures. Trace and I will be at the back um, to introduce ourselves if anybody wants to meet us. Um, and we just love you. And we, just, we, just want to, we just want to love on you. That's, that's all we have here is just, we're just a big family of love. It's pretty simple. We keep it simple. And so it's raining, so you got plenty of time. So if you drop the lights, we'll play that video, and I'll pray for you guys, and, and uh, we'll dismiss. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross, and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. Uh, we don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's... This is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is this has gone too far. There's no comparison. 
This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. Yes, let him have Barabbas. 
times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus, and I'm the Barabbas, and they start to take my chains off, and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. God, I I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high? so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. Yes. If his blood is sufficient yes. for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. Yes, Lord. Yes. Listen, guys, when... When Jesus went to the cross, it was the only time he addressed God as God. He always called him Father. But this time, when God's wrath was poured out on him, God had to turn his back on him because it was all of it. It was all the sin. And he addressed him as God. But he addressed him as God so that we could address him as Father. Listen, don't, don't leave this place without knowing that you're accepted in Him. Don't leave here without fully receiving that. I pray right now, Father, that you just come into our hearts. Father, there's nothing that we can do. We don't deserve it, Father, but you 
took all the punishment. Father, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices, they were completely consumed. Father, you consumed them all. Your wrath was poured out on them and you destroyed them, even, even licked up the water in the ditch around them when Elijah was there. Father, with Jesus, you poured your wrath out on him, but it didn't kill him. He stayed alive to say it is finished. All your wrath was poured out on him. All of it. And he said, it is finished. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It is finished. And you not only took it all, but you rose on that third day. You didn't only, ra- you didn't only raise, Father. You, you ascended. And you sent your Holy Spirit to live in us, Father. And you manifested your nature in all these people. If the devil only knew. <laughs> he only had one Jesus to deal with back then. Now he's got all these Holy Spirits in here. And Father, I just commission everyone in here to go out and pour themselves out. Father, leverage our lives for you. Everything that we do, Father, let it come out of our hearts and into other people. Father, there's no fear, there's no anxiety, there's, there's no condemnation. No distractions, Father, but everything that comes out of our hearts is you. And let us just love people like you love people and see people like you see people and call out people's identity like you called out our identity. Thank you, Father. We, do, we, don't, we don't want to settle for just knowing about you. We have to know you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. All right. Woo. Fun stuff. You guys are dismissed. Uh...